It is awesome to follow that. Um, TJ, worship team, uh, thank y'all for doing that. I mean, good grief, that song selection, the quality of those lyrics and the excellence with, 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 with which you guys sing them, it's beautiful. So I, I appreciate that so much. Um, I'm thankful to God for you guys. Um, Philip uh, and the dancers, I believe, are uh, at the beach this week. And, uh, and so um, I get to preach, uh, which I love to do. I, I used to get to do it more. I used to get to do it every week on Wednesday nights when I was a youth pastor. And so uh, anytime I ask to do it, I, I, I enjoy getting to do it. The, it's the preparation that's really the biggest blessing. You, know, you study, 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 study. And you just get to put God's word into your mind for an extended period of time in a way that I don't usually get to do. And so uh, it's a blessing to be doing this. Um, I, anytime I do this, I always preach from whatever we're reading in our family devotions. Well, currently we're reading the book of Proverbs. And um, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to preach from Proverbs. But then I thought, but... But how do you preach Proverbs? Uh, you know, you can preach chapters 1 through 9 or maybe the, you know, uh, last half of 31 or maybe some portions of 30 or 29. Uh, but most of the book of Proverbs um, does not lend itself, shall we say, to verse by verse expository preaching. Um, and so... Uh, this is going to feel a little bit more like um, a, a sweeping overview or introduction, maybe, uh, to Proverbs. And so what I hope happens um, is that God will use me to whet our appetites uh, for wisdom, uh, that he'll equip us to understand the book of Proverbs, uh, that he'll encourage you to live wisely and to teach others to do the same. And that he'll remind us of our need for Jesus. Um, so who wrote Proverbs? Uh, the verse 1 of the book says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And in fact, 26 and a half chapters uh, of Proverbs are written by Solomon. Two and a half are written by this group of people that are just called the wise. Uh, one chapter, chapter 30, was written by this guy named Agur. So if you're looking for new baby names, Agur is pretty strong. Uh, and then half of one chapter was written by uh, King Lemuel. Now that's the first half of 31. And then the last half of 31 was written by someone we'll call some other guy. We don't know who that was. Um, and so uh, characteristics of Proverbs is uh, it's fatherly. It's very fatherly in nature. Uh, and that's, there's a reason for that. It's because it is a dad. Uh, most of it is a dad that's writing to his son. Um, now, I, I should have said this a minute ago. Um, I'm just going to refer to Solomon as the author of Proverbs, okay? I'm not, because I don't want to say, uh, because it's Solomon, the wise, Agur, King Lemuel, and some other guy every time I have to refer to so I'm just going to say it's Solomon, but you know what I mean, right? So Proverbs is a book written by a father to his son. At times, he'll say to my sons, um, 
But it's a very fatherly writing. He, he's writing to help his son understand how to live rightly in God's world. Um, other characteristics of Proverbs are it's very ADHD-friendly. Uh, so if, like me, you're easily distracted, you'll feel right at home in Proverbs. Uh, for most of the chapters in Proverbs, you rarely get more than three or four consecutive verses on any one topic, and sometimes you only get one or two. And like, so reading it at night with our family, it is like I love it because I'm like that. But it's all, like a, there is no like stream of consciousness. It's just boom, 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 boom. It's all over the place. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And what, one thing I appreciate about it is uh, every time I read through the book of Proverbs, whatever section I read, I feel like there's always some other verse that sticks out to me. There, there, there's, it feels like there's always something. I, mean, I didn't even realize that was there. I think because it's largely kind of like unorganized, uh, it, it, you, 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 it's easy to overlook things or, or things don't catch your eye through the first one or 45 readings of it, right? Like it, yeah. So anyway, I, I love that about it. Um, another characteristic is it's poetic. Um, can I get an Awana student to tell me the five books of the Bible that come after the book of Esther? Is there an Awana student that can tell me which five come after the book of Esther? Lincoln, you got it back there? Which five come after Esther? You got Boom. That's right. Good job, Lincoln. Yeah, you got Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Isn't that cool, by the way? Like, I love it. I knew that I could ask for an Awana student to handle that, and they would. And I love that. Um, Awana um, has helped my eight-year-old uh, learn literally dozens of Bible verses just this year including all of Psalm 23. Uh, Awana has helped my, my eight-year-old learn all 66 books of the Bible. Um, and so if you have preschool or elementary-aged kids and you're not providentially hindered, get them into the Awana program. It's 545 to 715 on Wednesday nights, and there's my shameless plug for that, right? Um, I'm not on staff. I'm not even an elder anymore. I, and Ashley is not paying me, that I know of at least, for this announcement. Um, I'm just a dad who's thrilled to have his son be part of that. Um, now, the five books, uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, they're together on purpose. Uh, you may know uh, that those are the five books that we typically call uh, Hebrew poetry, right? There, there, there are poetic elements to other books, but those are the, the poetic elements books. They're almost entirely uh, poetry. They're also wisdom literature, and those are the, the five books of poetry are also the five books of wisdom literature uh, in our Old Testament. Um, and so if you hear someone talk about the poetry or the wisdom or the wisdom books or the wisdom literature, they're talking about Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And so what is a proverb? A proverb is a short saying that communicates a truism for wise, godly living. Now, here's an important question. What is a truism? 
The essence of a truism is, hey, this is usually true. This is usually the way things happen. This is usually the way things work out. This is usually the way stuff goes. As opposed to, this is always the way it works. This is always the way that it happens. It's a usually thing. It's a generality and not an every single time. It's not absolutely true. It's generally true. And how important is that distinction? Well, getting that distinction wrong is why you know Job's friends as the most famously horrible friends in the history of the world. Like, that's really what they did. If you read the book of Job, a lot of what they said was really not that off. Like, you can kind of read that and go, yeah, I can see where they would have gotten that idea. Their argument against Job was essentially this. Life goes well for godly people. Your life isn't going well. So you're not a godly person and your suffering is your fault. Like, that's essentially what their argument is. Well, when you open up the book of Proverbs, listen to this in chapter 3. Now, Job predates Proverbs, but even Job's friends, as they observed the world, they were picking up on the fact that in general, life goes well for godly people. Like, in general, that's the way it goes. And here's Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. And as you listen to this, if you're Job's friends, you're going, you're dadgum right. Amen to that. Get them. Tell you, tell them, Solomon. But they don't understand this is truism and not absolute truth. But here's, so here's what he says. And this is generally a true statement. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace will they add to you. You hear that? Hey, if you follow these Proverbs, years of life and peace will be yours. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And Job's friends will say, yeah, and if you don't, it's your fault for sure. There's a 0% chance that it's not your fault. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? Make straight your paths, right? Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And here's where the prosperity guy comes in. He loves this. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, are those things generally true? Sure. And that's part of what Solomon is communicating to his son. Like, hey, if you live wisely in the world, if you live in the, in the world in a way that makes sense, that's sensible, things will go better for you than if you don't. That, that's kind of the idea. But this is a truism. You don't have to look very far uh, to find that this is not true all of the time. What counsel would Solomon have given his father, David, uh, when he was running for his life? If these had been absolute truths, now, he would have crushed his dad like Job's friends crushed their friend. Um, and so the book of Proverbs contains, generally speaking, truisms, not absolute truths. Um, getting that right will keep will allow you to bind up wounds instead of throwing gasoline onto the fire of their despair. Um now, let's talk about the Proverbs themselves. 
in Proverbs, God reveals how his world works. That's really what we're getting, right? God is revealing to his people how his world works. And he's equipping his people for life in his world, in submission to his will. So Proverbs is not a handbook on good manners that you can pick up to win friends, influence people, and get ahead in the world. And it's not about mechanical adherence to the rules. Like if if you do this, you get that. It's not about that. And it's not about showing people how insightful, skillful, or clever you are and holding it over their heads about how much better you are than them. Like Proverbs is not about any of that because that's not what wisdom is about. Right out of the gate in Proverbs, we find that wisdom is anchored in God. So apart from God, we can't get wisdom. In fact, we don't even want wisdom apart from God. Fools, Solomon says, despise wisdom because they despise God, who's the source of wisdom. Solomon says in verse 7 of chapter 1, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom centers on God, and possessing it requires a right view of him. And so in Psalm 14, when David says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, he's not talking about theological or philosophical atheism. He's talking about moral or practical atheism. He's talking about people who don't want God to exist. It's not that they think he doesn't exist. They want him to not exist. They need him to not exist because they are in love with sin. They are in love with folly, with foolishness. And because they love sin, God and his wisdom are the very last things that the fool would want. But there's a more subtle foolishness that I think is even more dangerous than what we find in Psalm 14. You may have heard the saying that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy, or right doctrine leads to right living. And that, of course, is true. But it's important to note that if you're not being conformed to the image of Christ, if you're not bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, if you're not increasingly walking in wisdom, if you're not growing in wisdom, then you may have right doctrine, but the right doctrine doesn't have you. And that's the problem. That's a danger with Proverbs. You think, oh, well, if I just do these things, or if I get my theology right, then I'm nailing it. All I got to do is have right thinking, and I'm doing great. And the proverb says, well, you may be deceiving yourself. So if we want our kids to get wisdom, if we want to have wisdom in the way that we parent, in the way that we train up kids, which is kind of the heart of the book of Proverbs, um, then we need to shepherd their minds. But not only that, their hearts. Their, their hearts and their minds need to be shepherded to give them a right view of God. And that's what Solomon's doing in his book here. He cranks out 769 verses. How about that? That is a lot of writing. He cranks out 769 verses to encourage his son to get wisdom. And by the way, those are the verses that are just his. That's not King Lemuel. That's not the whole book. Solomon cranked out 769 just in this book. 
by the way. He wrote others. Um, And throughout his Proverbs, he continually confronts his son with the value of wisdom. He's, He's not just telling his son to be wise or telling his son how to be wise, but he's communicating to his son the value of wisdom. He's trying to whet the appetite for wisdom. Uh, and he does that maybe nowhere more clearly, clearly than in Proverbs 8, verses 10 to 11. He says, Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. And how about this line? And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. All that you may desire cannot compare with her. And as you hear that, keep in mind that Solomon had all of the above, right? Like Solomon was C, all of the above. He had all of the riches. I mean, the dude was absolutely loaded, loaded, ridiculous. And he was at the time the wisest man who'd ever lived by God's doing. Right. So he had both. He had wisdom and he had riches. Now, you see later in his life when he writes the book of Ecclesiastes that he abandoned wisdom. But it appears in the book of Proverbs that he's still thinking pretty clearly. He's seeing the world pretty clearly. And he's saying, hey, I've had riches and I've had wisdom. And I'm telling you, son, wisdom, wisdom is way better than everything else you could ever desire. And so as we teach our kids, as we think about how to disciple kids, um, we need to set in front of them not just what wisdom is or how to be wise, but the value of wisdom. We need to keep that in front of them, and really we need to keep that in front of ourselves. It's so easy to lose sight. Like, now, why am I doing this? What's the point here? You can kind of run out of gas on things. And so it's almost like in every verse he is building in. And here's why this is really, really important. Here's how this benefits you. Here's how this makes life better. Here's how this makes things good. Um, and so he's shepherding. He's, he's leading. He's pointing his son's heart toward wisdom. He's not just shepherding the mind. He's shepherding his son's heart. Now, the categories of wisdom in Proverbs are, I wouldn't even, I really don't even know how to categorize all of them. Like, I don't think you could put them all into categories. It seems like it would just be endless. Um, but here are a few of the categories in which he is shepherding his son's mind or instructing his son's mind and his heart. And as you read Proverbs, you'll notice that that wisdom touches literally every aspect of life, every desire, decision, pursuit, action, word, etc. And here are some of the topics it addresses. It addresses wisdom itself, the facets of wisdom, the importance of wisdom, how to get wisdom. It identifies the characteristics, the character qualities, uh, the outcomes, and how to deal with the wise man, the fool, the scoffer, and the sluggard. Um, It instructs us on marriage. It talks about the blessing of a godly wife, the curse of an ungodly one, and the need for faithfulness. It talks about sex, 
enjoying your wife and the desperate need to stay away from others. It talks about friendship, how to be a friend, and who to befriend. It talks about speech, the power of words, and how to use them wisely. It talks about conflict, how to avoid it, how to resolve it, leaving vengeance to God. It talks about business, how to work, how to do right by people, and so on. It talks about money, dealing with wealth, poverty, debt, greed, and generosity. It talks about food and drink, blessings of righteousness, but that they shouldn't be abused. I, example, no drunkenness or gluttony. He warns against that. And it talks about parenting, the responsibility to teach and discipline and how to do those things and why to do those things. It's the last one that I want to spend most of, our, of the time we have left on, 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 on parenting. Parents must train their kids. Um, you may have noticed that people aren't born wise. Um, not calling any names, but children have to be taught not to smear poop on things. This is what we're dealing with when we come out of the womb, right? Like we're, we're not on point, okay? We don't know what we're doing. Um, that's why Solomon, who likely gave his son no shortage of in-person instruction, supplemented that with 26 and a half chapters written for his son to take with him and to keep and to store up through his life. And as parents, we must train our children in godly wisdom. And though our kids may not always want it, they always need it, and they need us to give it to them. That's why Solomon says rather famously, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Our kids need to know that godly wisdom matters to us. They need to see that that's important. How we interact in God's world in light of who God is, is important. And our kids need to see that in us. They need to know that. Um, And that means reading, praying, thinking about, talking about God's word with our kids. As an aside, if, if, if if you have kids that are still in the home and you're and you feel lost on that front, like you're, you're not doing a lot of reading with them, praying with them, thinking about talking about the word. Um, let me know. Just talk to me. Um, we don't do anything that requires a graduate degree. You don't have to be super sharp or, you know, really on point or anything like that. Um, uh, and we don't do everything that I wish we did. Um, there's a lot of things that, uh, like I want us to sing a cappella with my terrible singing voice on display. Like, I want to do that. I want, to, I want my kids to suffer through hearing me sing. Um, but there, there's such a richness to music. There, there, there's such a, it's such a key element of worship. We're commanded to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. And I don't want to just be doing that with my kids on Sundays. Um, but I don't do that. So I don't do everything right. Uh, and don't hear me say that. But I am willing to tell you what we do and to see if there's some way that we might could be what we do may encourage you or help you or give you some ideas or, or whatever. Um, um, but if raising kids feels hard, um, it's because it is. It's hard on kids and it's hard on parents. 
And I love, my wife and I have laughed about this some recently, I love how real God is with us about that in the book of Proverbs. Let me give you two Proverbs that illustrate the difficulty that parenting is for kids and the difficulty that parenting is for parents. To kids, Solomon says this, He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Now, why does God need to remind kids not to commit acts of violence against their parents? Well, it's because it's apparently happening somewhere, right? I mean, like, uh, there's some kid that's being told what to do, and he's ready to throw down. He's ready to bow up. He's going to show them what's what. He's not putting up with that junk anymore. Um, it's hard. It's hard receiving instruction. When you're a kid, if you think about it, you're receiving almost constant instruction, 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 instruction. You're constantly faced with everything you don't know and everything you don't know how to do. And that's why uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians, fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Like don't, don't needlessly frustrate your children. It's hard enough being a kid as it is. It really is. I don't mean to downplay that. But it seems crazy. I mean, he would, he, he does violence to his father and chase away. Like there's kids doing this, apparently. You got to be told not to do it. But if you think that's crazy, check out what he says to their parents. Proverbs 19, 18. I have never, I never noticed this until last summer. Amanda was reading through the Bible and brought this up to me. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Why is this command in here? Good grief. Oh, this is hard stuff. Again, he doesn't write that if it's not happening or at least being seriously considered by somebody, right? Um, but all kidding aside, the process of raising kids is hard on kids and it's hard on parents. And it's not a process that we should be part of alone. Solomon tells his son this, Proverbs twelve fifteen, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Fools are pretty convinced. They've got to, they already know everything they need to know. They, they don't want to be taught. They don't want to be instructed. It's not so with the wise man. Uh, God calls parents to instruct their children, but he doesn't call them to do it alone. We, don't, we have no business parenting in isolation. We have no business doing that. And it bothers me. I'm part of the problem, I think. It does, it, does it not bothersome that the scariest thing in the world to do is offer a correction to someone else's parenting? Like, does that not bother? Why, is that, why does that have to be so scary? Like, if there's some godly person who knows me, if Chris Brody knows me, if, 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 if Philip Dancy, if Shane McGuire, if, if, if these guys know me, and they see me doing something in my parenting that seems off, if Elliot Middleton sees me doing something that seems off, why would my first reaction to them bring that to my attention probably be something less than desirable? Like, what is my problem? Why wouldn't I be in love with that? Like, why wouldn't I say, man, thank you? Because the Proverbs say that the wise man, how about this, actually thanks his correctors. He thanks them. Do you do that? Is that how? I mean, it's crazy. Why is this such a, a such a thing, uh, especially on this front? I think this is I think this is particularly 
I think not receiving correction when it comes to parenting is particularly dangerous because we're charged as parents to train up these kids in the way they should go. Well, we weren't given a handbook on that for exactly what to do in every situation. You kind of just get thrown in. We don't know what we're doing. Like the kids don't know what they're doing. The parents don't know what they're doing either. Like we don't know. We're just trying to do the best we can, you know, reading the Bible and looking around and say, hey, what's this guy doing? What are they doing? How are they doing it? I don't know. I'm just trying to do stuff here. Figure it out. We need wisdom to parent our kids the way they should be parented. Um, and Solomon, he's telling his son, remember, he's telling his son that, that the wise man listens to advice. And he frequently does. Like this is a theme in Proverbs. He does this on multiple occasions. Um, he's encouraging his son to seek wisdom from other people. So Solomon's acknowledging, hey, buddy, I'm your dad. And I was literally given wisdom by God directly to a degree that no one else has ever received. And I'm telling you, you need to also have some other wise counselors in your life. Like, I'm telling you that. I'm wiser than anyone who's ever existed, and you need more than what I have to offer. Like that, that's, that should be telling to us. That should inform the way that we uh, go about parenting. Like I want my kids to be friends with my friends. And I'm trying to, I, I want to set up more scenarios where my kids are hanging out with my friends. Now we have some of that. Like, um, uh, uh, Maybe a month or so ago, uh, Beck came to the office with me. So we're downtown. And Tish texts me. She had talked to Amanda, figured out that Beck was with me. And she's like, hey, uh, can, I, can, can Beck, can, can I take her to Don Juan's and eat lunch with her? And in my mind, so now, in all fairness, this is probably a sore moment for my daughter. But I ruined that. I rained on the parade there uh, through some misunderstanding. I thought she had more schoolwork to do. Anyway, she didn't. So I was like, well, no, she can't do it right now. But I love that. Like, that's discipleship that's happening. And I want that. Like, I want, I want you godly ladies. Hey, take my daughter to go to, to Don Juan's. Um, you, you godly men. I mean, so many of you guys, I've, I've, I've appreciated so much. Um, you know, whether it's Caesar or uh, Jason Bonner or Colby Hearn or Randy Price. I mean, so many of you guys have, have invited my oldest, have invited Nathan to work with you. I love that. That is discipleship that's happening. My son is not just seeing his dad work or whatever, but he's seeing these other godly men. He's seeing the way that they work, the way they approach life. And I'm not there hover dadding. I'm, I'm not even there at all. It's just him with these godly guys. And I love that. I think we need that. We need our kids to be invested in by other godly people. Now, thankfully, there's some low-hanging fruit here at Sylvania to kind of facilitate that, facilitate uh, you getting wisdom as parents and to facilitate your kids uh, being around other wise counselors. Um, You can get involved in Sunday school classes. Like, that's the lowest hanging fruit. It's at 9 o'clock every Sunday. That is so easy. Ain't nothing to it. You show up. Someone else prepared. You're just sitting there. 
You talk with people. You listen to great teaching. You drink some coffee. You eat a donut. It's great. It is great. When it's over, you hang out. You stand up. You talk with humans for a little bit. There's interaction there. There's communities being built. It's awesome. You hear prayer requests. You know what's going on. People, you know how to carry each other's burdens. It's awesome. And relationships form through that. I really do think, I mean, for, for, for me personally, uh, getting into Shane's Sunday school class in terms of relationship deepening has been a total game changer. Um, total game changer. So if you feel disconnected here, you're not getting wisdom. You're not getting advice or help or input. Um, get into a Sunday school class. Um, another low-hanging fruit is just stick around after the worship service is over. Like, just commit. You know what? It may feel awkward to me. I may not be Mr. Extrovert, Miss Extrovert, but I'm going to stand here in the sanctuary for an extended period of time for the purpose of talking with humans and catching up with them. I am going to do that. Like, that's so easy for me. I know that's, that's me. I'm like extrovert central station, but whatever. It's, it's not hard. Uh, find me. I'll talk to you if you feel weird. You know, you like, hey, hey, dude, you're the one that told me to stick around. I'm feeling uncomfortable, so I'm, I expect you to kind of hold me up here. I'm fine with that. Come on. Um, another one. Uh, eat lunch with folks after church. This is Philip's favorite thing to point out, that we hang out in here for forever, and then we go somewhere else together. I love that. Do it. Go. I mean, invite people to lunch. Um, you know, as those relationships form, Wisdom will be shared. Your kids will get to know them. You'll get to know them. It's awesome. Do that. Attend the Wednesday night meal. Easy. Easy. Grab food. Sit at a table. Talk with humans. It's great. Um, Awana is huge. It's huge. Um, my, my kids, uh, they get to be around um, people like Eric Brabon. They get to be around Daniel Stokes. They get to be around... Amanda Barnes, who I am quite partial to. Um, I mean, and the list is, our Awana crew is massive. It's huge. It, I mean, there's a lot of manpower involved in that. Um, and those people are there giving wisdom and sound instruction to our kids. Those are adults who are mentoring and discipling our kids. It's priceless. Uh, in the Oasis, Talk about cheating life somehow. My kids are mentored by men like Jaron Peoples, Fletcher Smith. Are you kidding me? Andrew Schubert, Phil Sneed. There's women in there like Mariah Martinez, Heidi Tarvin, Carol Whiteside, Mariah Martinez, Susan Middleton. Seriously, what is happening here? This is cheating life. Like, I'm so impressed. Uh, with the, the, the kind of instruction that, I, that my kids get out there. Um, I'm impressed with the godliness that many of the older students out there have. Like you think, oh, my, my kid's in sixth grade. I'm not sure about them being around 11th graders or whatever. Oh, yes, you are. You haven't met our 11th graders yet. Outrageous. They're unbelievable. Like, I want my kids to be like these 11th graders. I want that. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's awesome. Um, I didn't say Carmen Price, I don't think. Carmen Price is out. I made a list so I wouldn't forget. Carmen Price. If you don't want your kids to be around Carmen Price, we need to talk. Like you're you're not there's no way you're a believer. Um, you just can't put a price tag on that. It's awesome. 
there's wisdom, there's discipleship that's happening there, and it's beautiful. Um, and then finally, the other low-hanging fruit is our small group ministry. If you don't know, we do have one of those. Um, it's on the website and all that. Um, but our small group ministry has given me and Amanda tons of wise counsel and has really been one of the most important things we've done in terms of facilitating our friends or our kids getting to be friends with our friends. That's been, it's been huge for that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that was the connection that really like blew up, like just took our relationship with the McGuire's to a whole other level, with the Bonner's to a whole other level, uh, with the readers to a whole other level. It's just happening. It's awesome. Um, at the end of the day, however you go about doing it, we and our kids need to know and be known by wise people within the local church so that we can give and receive the counsel we need to live wisely. But despite our attempts to give godly wisdom to our kids, they still reject it sometimes. And so do I. I mentioned earlier um, that Proverbs is, is kind of putting on display um, what, what it looks like uh, to, to bear fruit, to, to, to live rightly, to live wisely in the world. And that is what it does. But that's not all it does. Proverbs also exposes our need for Jesus and leads us to the cross. Proverbs begins this way, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the person who fears the Lord is marked by good decision-making, just sound wisdom, as Solomon says it. They obey God. He says they live in righteousness. They treat others rightly. They're just. They're equitable. God says this is the person who fears him. This is what he's like. And those things don't always describe me. And he tells us exactly who doesn't fear him. It's the fool, the person who despises wisdom, the person who uh, rejects it, refuses it, distances himself from it. And I am that man. Like, I, I not only have done that, I still actively do that. Like that's still part of my life. Um, I, I want that to decrease, but it's still there. And we've all been there. We all still go there. And so as you read and seek to live the Proverbs and teach others to do the same, 
Let it lead you again and again to the cross. Because that's where you find God's favor. Not because you earned it, but because Jesus did. Let me pray. God, I pray that, uh, that you will use the book of Proverbs um, to grow us in wisdom. I do pray that, um, that not only um, parents will be directly involved in the discipleship of their kids, but that, they will, that we will involve others, other wise counselors in the discipleship of our kids, and we won't try to do it all, all by ourselves or do it alone. Um, and God, I pray that, um, that you will use us, uh, you'll make us an encouragement to each other. I pray that you'll foster um, both the practice of wisdom and the seeking of wisdom here at our church. I, I pray that we, that we won't be those who... Um, trust in themselves, but, the, but we are marked by seeking advice. Um, and not in this weird thing where it's like, well, I've got the scriptures, that's all I need. No, it's not. We need each other because that's the way you've designed it. That's your doing. And so God, help us to participate in that. Um, Lord, I pray that, um, that as we sing, that you will draw us into worship, that our, that our hearts and our minds uh, will be set on Christ and on his goodness. And we love you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.